When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's going to take you through the action and uh, get things done. So, let's get going. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. So, we need to look back at week 13's action, and we're going to do that with With some some meat recaps. All right, first up, South Carolina at TCU. Last week, I predicted TCU would win this one 11-8. to uh, When the matchups came out that morning, things heavily favored the Frogs, but South Carolina rode really, really well to keep things close early. Fences went 3-2 to for TCU, and reigning was a 2-2 to tie. So, that made the halftime score 5-4 to for TCU. But the host team is really good in the remaining events, so once flat got going, uh, that one went 3-2 to two for TCU, and horsemanship happened, and TCU is pretty much the best horsemanship squad in the nation. They proved it. They swept the event 5-0. That made the final score 13-6 to six TCU. So for TCU, they got pushed a little bit more than we expected. Uh, we saw that happen last week as well when they beat Fresno State at home. It wasn't by the same amount that their road uh, meet had gone against uh, Fresno State, uh, but they still beat them. And then here again on Friday, we see that the lower-ranked visitors uh, hung with TCU a little bit more than we would have thought until horsemanship happened, and then it was, you know, put to bed. Uh, So while, again, this win is nothing to complain about, it does show that the gap between TCU and the rest of the field maybe isn't as large as it looked, at least in the fall. So we're going to continue to keep an eye on that. For South Carolina, this was a good performance overall, even with the loss. Nobody in the nation could have been expected to just go into TCU and get a win, so there's no shame in losing here. And looking closely at the numbers, we saw several places where the Gamecock rider uh, outmatched an opponent that had a much better win-loss record than she did, so that's really what they would want to focus on here after this meet. Our next meet to look at, College of Charleston at Lynchburg. Last week, I predicted this would be a 7-2 win for Lynchburg, and fences went 4-1 for Lynchburg, and the flat also went 4-1 for the Hornets. So here again, Lynchburg proves they are very, very tough to beat at home. Uh, We didn't know a lot about College of Charleston, but we figured it might go down like this. But still, it was a good experience for the Cougars to just go and uh, get a couple of points and uh, get some more NCEA experience under their belts as a a first-year team. The next meet is Baylor at Oklahoma State. Last week, I predicted we'd see an 11-9 win for Oklahoma State. Let's see how it really went. In the first half, Fences went 4-1 for Oklahoma State, and Raining went 3-0 for the Cowgirls. So at the half, uh, OSU was in control. They had a 7-1 lead. In the second half, the flat went 4-1 for Oklahoma State, and Horsemanship went 4-1 for Baylor, making the final score 12-6 Oklahoma State. So the Bears did finish with some good news with that event win in horsemanship, but 
they really would have liked to have shown better on the road, uh, particularly in the jumping seat. Uh, still, road meets are tough, and now Baylor will need to regroup and focus on their remaining meets. For Oklahoma State, the Cowgirls essentially won the meet with that big start and used that to just win the day. Uh, the fall season did not go great for Oklahoma State, so they really needed this win to prove that they are, that they are still relevant in the Big 12, and now they are solidly in second place in the conference and they can see what they need to do to kind of try to close that gap on TCU. Next meet is Delaware State at UT Martin. Now last week I predicted a 10 to 8 win for UT Martin. Uh, when the head-to-head -head matchups came out on Friday, they confirmed we we're probably going to be in for a little bit of a close meet. Here's how everything went down. Delaware State won fences 3 to 2 and UT Martin won horsemanship 3 to 2. So things were all knotted up at 5 all at the half. In the second half, flat went 2 to 1 for Delaware State and reigning went 3 to nothing for UT Martin. That created the final score of 9 to 7 win for UT Martin. So this was close like we expected. UT Martin is tough to beat at home. Uh, TCU had trouble with them. Auburn had trouble with him. Georgia did not have trouble with them, but that might be an outlier. And here we see Delaware State having trouble with them as well. UT Martin showed that they aren't just going to roll over in the ECAC and that this was a good home win that they needed to get and hopefully get some national attention. For Delaware State, they came so close to winning this, uh, this loss is probably going to take them out of contention to make it to Ocala, unfortunately. The NCEA selection committee really prefers to invite the bigger schools, and if you're a smaller school, if you want to break into that club, you basically just have to be almost perfect. But just like UT Martin, they're still playing for a conference championship, and they would need to turn right around after this meet and ride the first half of a neutral site meet versus UC Davis. So let's take a look at that. In last week's episode, I predicted that this would be a 9-7 win for Delaware State. This one started off on Friday with the flat and raining. The flat was a 2-2 tie, and raining went 3-1 for UC Davis. So at the 12-hour uh, halftime break, the score was 5-3 in favor of UC Davis. And then in the second half, fences went 3-1 for UC Davis, and horsemanship went 3-1 for UC Davis. So the Aggies made a big push in the second half there. That gave them a final score of 11-5 victory. So a big win, big neutral site win for the Aggies. They rode really well against Delaware State, uh, and Delaware State has a lot of talent. So to get this upset was a big achievement. For the Hornets, this was another disappointing loss. Uh, just a few weeks ago, they were in a position to potentially get that invitation to Ocala, but now that looks a lot less likely. Um, they're still in the hunt for a conference championship, like we said, uh, but picking up so many losses in such a short time is probably going to keep the selection committee from inviting them. So that's unfortunate, but that's kind of how it works out sometimes. Speaking of more unfortunate things, uh, let's uh, take a look at some other Saturday action. And we'll take a look at Auburn at Georgia. Now, last week I predicted Auburn would win this one 10-9. Let's see what really happened. The first two events were flat and raining. Uh, on the flat, Georgia won that 4-1, and raining was a 2-2 tie. So, at the half, Georgia was up 6-3. Now, you never want to be behind at the half, but with the two events that were coming up in the second half being fences and horsemanship, Auburn was still in this meet. But that changed pretty quickly. Uh, as in fences, Georgia won that 3-1, to one, and then in horsemanship, Auburn won 3-2. to two. So the final score was an 11-7 to seven win for Georgia. Yeah, uh, Auburn did win horsemanship 3-2, to two, but they lost everything else, or, well, they tied reigning, but anyway. Uh, this is not 
the kind of performance that you would expect for Auburn, especially if you've been paying attention to the sport for the last five years. But even just based on the stats for this year, Auburn underperformed, particularly in fences. Uh, and now raining actually kind of went pretty well, all things considered. Uh, most of Auburn's losses recently have involved very low raining scores. For, so to see them not lose raining technically is kind of an improvement for those riders. It's just, well, everybody else that kind of needs to get to improving. So anyway, for Georgia, this was a huge win. Um, they have not beaten Auburn since the 2018 SEC championship meet in which they, they won that year. So it's been almost six years ago since they've beaten Auburn. So this was a pretty nice win to be able to get, uh, get this six-year-old monkey off your back. It also means that uh, Georgia is now in second place in the SEC standings, and they have a shot at finishing first if they can beat Texas A&M by more than seven points at home and then beat South Carolina on the road. Um, bit of a long shot, but it's still possible. And finishing first would mean that they could avoid Auburn and Texas A&M in the first round of the SEC tournament, which is really what they would prefer. Otherwise, they're probably going to finish second or third and, and face Auburn in the first round of the tournament. Now let's look at another meet, Minnesota Crookston at South Dakota State. Last week I predicted this would be a 14-3 victory for South Dakota State. Let's see what really happened. Fences went 3-2 for South Dakota State. Flat went 4-1 for South Dakota State. Horsemanship went 3-2 for South Dakota State. And Raining went 4-1 for South Dakota State. So that makes for a final score of 14-6 for South Dakota State. So this was a nice home win for the Jackrabbits. Uh, they tend to do this to Minnesota Crookston. So it's, it's what we expected. Um, but what is interesting is that the, the Golden Eagles did manage to get a, little bit, a few more points than they normally would in this meet. Uh, six points doesn't seem like a, a lot in most meets, but for Minnesota Crookston, this is actually a real sign of improvement for them. So even in this loss, uh, the ladies up there, they have something to appreciate in this meet. So good job to them. UC Davis at UT Martin. Last week, I said that this one would be close. I thought it would be a 10-10 tiebreaker win for UT Martin. Let's see what really happened. Fences went 3-2 for UC Davis. Flat went 3-2 for UC Davis. Horsemanship went 2-1 for UT Martin. And Raining went 4-1 for UT Martin. So that makes the final score a 10-8 win for UT Martin. Really close victory, uh, but a win nonetheless for the Skyhawks. Big conference win for them. They defended their home turf, and it looks like they're in a good position heading into the conference tournament season. For UC Davis, man, this really could have been a big road win if they could have gotten it, but it went to the home team. But still, the Aggies have that big win over Delaware State, so this was still a good weekend for them. Also, I think UC Davis is hosting their conference tournament this year, so this road performance should give them a lot of confidence heading into that. Next up, we have South Carolina at Texas A&M. Now, last week I predicted this would be an 11-7 win for Texas A&M. Let's see what really happened. In flat, both teams got two points, and Raining went 4-1 for Texas A&M. That made the halftime score 6-3 for Texas A&M. In the second half, Fences went 3-2 for Texas A&M, and then Horsemanship ended a 2-2 tie. That made the final score 7-11. So the Gamecocks kept it close all day, but they picked up another uh, loss on the road. Overall, you know, they went on the road to the number one team, and then they turned right around and faced the number two team, and basically any team in the nation would have lost these two, so not too big of a criticism against their performance here. They did keep it close, and that's encouraging. For Texas A&M, 
They got another conference win, and they remain uh, number one in the SEC. All right, let's look at College of Charleston versus Bridgewater. Last week, I predicted we would see a 6-1 to Bridgewater win. Let's see what really happened. So fences went 4 to nothing for College of Charleston, and flat went 3-2 to for College of Charleston. So that makes the final score a 7-2 win for College of Charleston. So, yes, big surprise here. Now, we did not have a lot of data on the Cougars going into this, so the stats were always going to be weird here. Um, uh, but to see them beat Bridgewater at a neutral site and get their very first NCEA win, that is great news for them. Now, it does come at the expense of Bridgewater, so obviously they are not thrilled. But honestly, if you stay in any sport long enough, eventually you're going to be someone's big win. So it happened to the Eagles this Saturday. Uh, but hopefully they can appreciate what it's like for a new team to get a victory. So yeah, College of Charleston, they got that victory. First W, good job. All right, so that was all of Week 13's action. Normally, we would go and take a look at the Golden Score Sheet Awards right now. But a lot of schools' uh, score sheets have not posted on the NCA website just yet by the time I'm making this recording, so we're going to skip that this week. Just know that basically TCU is trying to catch up with Sacred Heart, and all the other teams could be catching up to Sacred Heart, but none of them are really caring about which side of a score sheet that the home team should go on, so they're probably not going to catch up to Sacred Heart, which I'm sure is fine with the Pioneers and the Horn Frogs. Okay, so with this past weekend's actions in the books, we need to take a look at the official Auburn Elvis College of Equestrian Rankings. All right, number one, TCU. The Frogs beat South Carolina, not by as much as expected. So here again, we want to keep an eye on them. But until they lose, there is no chance they're going to be anything other than number one. Number two is Texas A&M. The Aggies beat South Carolina, so they protected the nation's second-best resume. Number three is SMU. The Mustangs were idle, but no one below them had much success, so they're going to remain here at number three unchanged. Number four is Georgia. The Bulldogs defeated Auburn at home and move up to the number four spot in my rankings. The Bulldogs split their home and home with Auburn, but they have a positive combined margin of victory. Also, they defeated South Carolina in the fall, and even though it was at home, it was a pretty big win. So I'm fine factoring that in. And lastly, Georgia is currently second in the SEC standings. And since they're jockeying with position with a pair of SEC teams right now in the rankings, using the SEC standings makes for a nice extra bit of evidence. Number five is Auburn. The Tigers lost their fourth straight meet, which I believe is a new record for the program. Now, some of this is just that the schedule was not great. I bet if Coach Braswell could go back and have not have her four toughest road opponents all in a row, she would change that. But still, these losses count. Uh, now, the two things Auburn has going for them is they've still been undefeated at home, and they are currently third in the SEC standings. So for those reasons, they continue to remain above our next team. And that team is number six, South Carolina. <laughs> The Gamecocks lost a pair of roadmates that, frankly, anyone else in the country would have lost, so I'm not going to move them any lower for that. And since the Gamecocks are guaranteed to finish last in the SEC standings right now, 
Auburn would have the tiebreaker over them if they ended up with the same record, um, then ranking them below Auburn is 100% justified. At number seven, we have Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls notched their third win of the season with a home win over Baylor. And some folks who might be tempted to move them ahead of South Carolina, I just want to remind everybody that Oklahoma State has three victories, and they are at Baylor, at home over Fresno State, and at home over Baylor. So not super impressive. Meanwhile, South Carolina has beaten UC Davis, UT Martin, Fresno State, Auburn, and this very same Oklahoma State. So, sorry, Cowgirls, if you want to move up in the rankings, you're going to have to start beating some better teams on your schedule. And at number eight, we have UT Martin. The Skyhawks had a big weekend at home, defeating a pair of teams that Baylor couldn't when they faced them. Plus, UT Martin defeated Baylor at a neutral site back in the fall. So, for that reason, they move up to number eight. Now, I also want to remind everybody that if the season ended today, these eight teams would deserve to go to the National Championship Tournament down in Ocala, Florida. But there are two teams below UT Martin that could still grab that final spot if things go well for them. At number nine, we have Baylor. The Bears lost at Oklahoma State and didn't look particularly good either, so while it doesn't move them down, it certainly won't move them up. Right now, the Bears are only ahead of Fresno State because of their home win over the Bulldogs in the fall, so if they want to stay ahead of them, they're going to have to do well on the road this weekend, but we'll talk more about that later. And at number 10, we have Fresno State. The Bulldogs were idle this week, so that let UT Martin jump them in the rankings. Fresno State only has a few more chances to impress the selection committee, so now is the time for them to start winning. And now let's take a look at the single discipline teams. Number one is still Lynchburg. The Hornets easily took care of Charleston and looked good doing it. They remain number one because of their road win at Dartmouth. Number two is Sweetbriar. The Vixens were idle, but are in no danger of dropping unless they pick up another loss somewhere. Number three is Dartmouth. The Big Green were also idle, but because they're part of that Lynchburg and Sweetbriar three-way, they aren't dropping either. And then there's a big yawning gap of talent, and then the next team would be number four, Sacred Heart. The Pioneers were idle and they've beaten almost everybody below them, so they're a solid number four right now. Number five is Swanee. The Tigers were also idle, but they had their win over Barry to keep them from dropping, and I'm very interested to know how they would compare to Charleston. Speaking of which, number six is the College of Charleston. The Cougars lost to Lynchburg, but they turned it around and got a big win over Bridgewater, and that shoots them up to number six. And then we have another gap, and then there's number seven, Bridgewater College. The Eagles fell a spot after their loss, but hope to turn things around at Swanee this weekend. And number eight is Berry College. The Vikings have yet to get an NCAA win, but they'll get a second crack at Swanee on Sunday. 
Speaking of that and other meats, let's look into the future and talk about some meat previews. We're in the thick of the spring season, so there are a lot of meats to go through. Here we go. On Friday, Sacred Heart at Sweetbriar. There's a chance for Sacred Heart to show that they're one of the big dogs here, but winning at Sweetbriar is a tall order. I think Sweetbriar wins fences 4-1 and flat 4-0 for a total of 8-1. Baylor at Fresno State. Big opportunity for someone here. I think Baylor wins fences 3-1, and I think the flat goes 3-2 for Baylor. I think horsemanship goes 2-2, two two, and I think reigning goes 3-2 for Fresno State. If all that happens, that would be a 10-8 win for Baylor. Dartmouth at Auburn. Big challenge for Dartmouth here. I think fences goes 5 to nothing for Auburn, and the flat goes 4-1 for Auburn. Add that up, and that's a 9-1 win for Auburn. Over we go to Saturday. SMU at Oklahoma State. Big opportunity for the Cowgirls if they could knock off number 3 SMU. Let's see what the stats say. I think Fences goes 3-2 for Oklahoma State. I think SMU wins the flat 3-2. I think Horsemanship goes 3-2 for SMU. And I think Reigning is a 2-2 split. Add that up, and I think it's a 10-9 win for SMU. So this one should be close. Next, we have Bridgewater College versus UT Martin. Bridgewater and UT Martin will ride a jump-and-seat-only meet at Auburn. This will be a nice chance to see how Bridgewater measures up to a big program. I think Fences goes 4-1 for UT Martin and Flat goes 3-2 for UT Martin. That would be a 7-3 win for the Skyhawks. Next, we have Dartmouth versus UT Martin. Now, I'm not really sure if this one's going to happen. It's on the NCA calendar and it's on Dartmouth's calendar, but it is not on UT Martin's calendar, which is a little weird. But if it does happen, here's what we think will happen. I think UT Martin will win fences 4-1, to one, and I think uh, UT Martin will also win uh, the flat 3-2 to two for an overall victory of 7-3. to three. Then we have Bridgewater College at Suwannee. I think fences goes 2-2, two to two, and I think the flat goes 3-1 to one for Suwannee. So that would be a 5-3 win for Swanee. Then we have Baylor at UC Davis. So the Bears are going to face the Aggies in the second half of their California road trip. And let's see what the stats say. I think Fences goes 3-2 for Baylor. I think the flat goes 3-2 for UC Davis. I think Horsemanship goes 2-2. And Reigning goes 3-2 for UC Davis. Add that up and it would be a 10-9 win for UC Davis. UT Martin at Auburn. Now, can Auburn get back into the win column? Let's see. I think Fences goes 3-1 to one for Auburn. I think the flat goes 3-2 to two for Auburn. I think Horsemanship goes 5 to nothing for Auburn. And I think Reigning goes 3-2 to two for UT Martin. Add that up, and I think it would be a 13-6 win for Auburn. Texas A&M at Georgia. All right, this is a big one. If Georgia can beat A&M, they'll signal that they have a serious claim of being one of the top teams in the SEC. I think Fences goes 3-2 to two for Georgia. I think the flat goes 3-1 to one for Georgia. I think Horsemanship goes 3-1 to one for Texas A&M. And I think Reigning goes 4-1 to one for Texas A&M. Adding that up, and it would be a 10-8 to eight victory for Texas A&M. And really, this one is going to hinge on how well Georgia does in Reigning. If they can get their share of Reigning points, they could hold off A&M there, and we'll see how it all goes. Sacred Heart at Lynchburg. Can Sacred Heart win at Lynchburg? Let's see. I think Fences goes 4-1 to one for Lynchburg, and I think the flat goes 3-1 to one for Lynchburg. That would be a 7-2 win for Lynchburg. Now over we go to Sunday. Berry College at Swanee. 
Now, the last time these two teams met, it went 6-2 to two for the Tigers, so that's as good as anything. So we're going to say it's going to go 6-2 to two for, for Swanee again. And that is all of our meat previews. So before we go, I want to chat about something this week. Um, this past week, when I pointed out that the NCEA had South Carolina overranked a little bit, uh, there were some folks who took great umbrage at that. And here's the thing. I get it. It's kind of my fault. Uh, years ago, I decided that I was going to cover Auburn Equestrian and Equestrian at large, and that I was going to do it as Auburn Elvis. And I made that decision because, frankly, no one cares what Mr. Joe Schmo thinks about college equestrian. And trust me, it brings more attention to the sport because I am writing as Auburn Elvis or because I'm talking about this as Auburn Elvis and not just as some unknown dude X. But, of course, since it's Auburn Elvis, depending on how favorable the opinion I'm expressing is or isn't to Auburn, well, then it's easy to just write everything off as favoritism. I get it. But here's the thing. Any team I'm ranking in any spot, I actually come out and tell you, well, here is why I ranked them there. You don't get that with the NCEA. In case you don't know, the people voting on the rankings, they might be employees of a member school, or they might be former writers or former coaches, or related in some way to someone out of school, etc. And you don't know much about them or how they voted as you do about me. If I were you, I would feel more comfortable about someone who told me why they ranked a team the way they did, more so than a group of people that I don't really know, and they have no idea of how any of them voted or why any of them voted that way. Now, I once interviewed R-rated judge Sissy Wicks on this show, and I'll just tell you that if you're new to this sport, the term R-rated judge is not as exciting as it sounds. Uh, Sissy is actually very G-rated in the way that she conducts herself, but anyway, she talked about how, as a judge, she often uh, hears complaining about her work in a particular show or a meet, and that very seldom does a writer or a coach come over and ask why a certain score was given or why a class was ordered that the way that she had ordered it. But if they had asked, or they do ask, she and the other judges are, are perfectly willing and very straightforward about, they'll go through an explanation of what went on with their judging. Um, and she added that in those rare times when she is asked to explain something about her judging, it usually results in that writer or that coach or whomever the person is asking coming to an understanding or hopefully an acceptance of this is why those scores went the way they did. So bringing that back to me, R-rated analyst, and for me, R-rating is exactly what you think it means. Um, I tell you why I rank a team the way I do, and I'll admit there are times I might make a mistake on, you know, did this team actually beat that team, you know, three months ago, or was it at home, was it away? And I try to correct those when they happen, um, but if it's a mistake, I'm actually basing my rankings on the mistake, not the bias. So... Hopefully, I've given you just a little bit more understanding of where I'm coming from with all this. So, alright you That's all for this week's episode. I am your R-rated host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening, and War Horses.
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.